on X. Get in the hunt, baby. Me and Andy go out. We go grouse hunting. And to be honest with you, I just follow the dog. So I'll be wandering through the woods and I'll get turned around. I'll be like, I want to get back to my truck. Well, with Onyx. So if you're like me, have that sucker on your phone. Onyx, get in the hunt and get back to your truck. Hashtag man's best kennel, baby. That's Gunner Kennels. Man, let's talk about these crates because when it hits the fan, you want your dog protected. It's an investment emotionally and financially to keep your hunting buddy safe. If you'd like to get into a Gunner Kennel, slide into the DMs and we'll hook you up. But do your best friend a favor and keep them safe this duck season. Our DT systems, baby, dog tested and dog tough. We've got those soft mouth dummies. Now listen, everybody knows that we need more bumpers. I'm not talking about one or two or three. I'm talking about adding bumpers to your repertoire. I like using white or black and white bumpers when I'm training my dogs for marks and even blinds. You can get the orange ones. I dig it, but add a bunch to your repertoire. And I'm again, I'm not talking about three to six. If you're working on T pattern, if you're working on blinds and pattern blinds, you need a bunch, a dozen, 18, the soft mouth dummies by DT can't be beat. Check them out. LoneDuckOutfitters.com. DT difference. Let's go. It's force fetch, baby. It's the number one question we get asked. You don't know how to fix it? Let me help you. Let me get you to your goals. We built a course, bunch of videos. I think there's 13 or 14 videos start to finish on how you and your dog can get through the force fetch process successfully. The link's in the description. Be sure to check it out and let me help you and your dog. What's going on, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Lone Ducks Gun Dog Chronicles. I'm excited for this episode. We got to chat with Jake Smith the editor of Pointing Dog Journal, Retriever Journal, and Just Labs Magazine. Super down-to-earth, really great guy. And what my main takeaway, and I hope yours is too, is the relationship we have with hunting and the people and dogs we hunt with. Super great guy, also old gun guy. And I, that's just something that I, I love, is someone who enjoys old guns and the nostalgia behind it. Uh, but first... Let's jump into patreon.com forward slash Lone Duck Outfitters. The link is in the description. This is our community where we help you more one-on-one. -on -one. And I want to announce we are doing a Patreon-only hunt in December at uh, Treasure Island Outfitters in Southern Missouri. So this is for Patreon members only. And we're going to give one lucky Patreon member a free hunt. So one of our, our community members is going to get to come on this hunt for free. It's going to be awesome in December, Treasure Island Outdoor Outfitters, and you have to be a part of Patreon to be entered into the contest. We're going to pick somebody September 1st, 2023. Jump on Patreon. Don't wait. Let's go. Next up, we've been bolstering our YouTube channel, folks, helping you teach your dog. Jump on YouTube, click subscribe, give it a thumbs up if you like our videos, leave a comment if there's some ideas you want me to do, it'd be great. So 2023, tons more for YouTube. Lastly, our force fetch course. I put a ton of time and effort into building a well-rounded, nuts-to-butts force fetch course, 
And the link is in the description. If you want to learn how I force fetch dogs, if you want to take the challenge and do it yourself, which I believe you can through this course, it's easy. It's, it's takes the intimidation away out of it. Any dog, any breed, it will help you do it yourself. Link's going to be in the description. Join that. You'll be pleased you did. It'll take you and your dog to the next level. Next up, from the duck blind to that holding blind, baby, it's Purina. I've got my first hunt test coming up uh, next week, actually. And I'm really excited to get the dogs back out there and and just see all the hard work over the last two months uh, coming off of winter break and hunting season. They're starting to get back to where they were before hunting season. And the old pro plan fuels that beast of burden. Next up, Gunner Kennels, man's best kennel. Super great company, made in America, and are continuously innovating products for us guys and gals. I'm excited for what's to come in 2023. Stay tuned. But if you need to get your dog into a Gunner Kennel, shoot us a DM on the old Instagrams, at Lone Duck, and we'll help you out. Next up, shooter shoot, baby. Mm, that can't cartridge i've said it over and over and over again kevin and i need to uh sling some clay birds and our last guest lars is a shooting instructor on the wing so he helps coach you well upland hunting bird hunting duck hunting to become a better shot and i can't wait to sling some bismuth downrange at those feathered fowl Next up, DT Systems, the collar that we've been using over the last few months testing out and monkeying with is the 1820. DT has been in the game for over 30 years, cutting edge, state-of-the-art technology. Um, really glad that they're we are a part of their team and they believe in us to bring you guys good e-collars. Check out DT Systems on Instagram, Facebook, and their website to learn more. Um, and the new revamped Lone Duck Outfitters website that should launch here in the next week or month. I don't know. Every time I say a week, it's going to be a month. So take that for what it's worth. But we'll be having DT Systems on the website for you to purchase. Check them out, baby. All right, let's get in the show. Jake, welcome to the show. Do me a favor. Tell everybody a little bit about yourself. Well, thanks for having me on, guys. Um, let's see here. I have been... Working with the Pointing Dog Journal, the Retriever Journal, and Just Labs magazines for 22 years now. Um, started as a managing editor, working with my father, Steve Smith, um, longtime outdoor writer, probably probably one of the country's um, most well-known living outdoor writers right now. Um, was very good friends with Gene Hill and Michael McIntosh and a lot of familiar names from the from the sporting world. And he edited those people. He published those people. He was uh, hunting buddies with those people. So I kind of, uh, I'll never forget. I think when I was 12 years old playing Trivial Pursuit with Gene Hill in our living room where we lived in Saginaw, oh, Michigan. And uh, when he was there for um, a grouse and woodcock trip with my dad, um, so I was uh, I was in South Dakota at the time. I my wife and I were getting our master's degrees in wildlife sciences, and I had been writing ever since high school. Um, had written a nonfiction duck hunting book with my brother while in college, and uh, so I always kept writing, kept editing. And uh, when a job opened up at the magazine, um, 
I was able to come back to Traverse City, Michigan, where um, where we live, my adopted hometown. We moved up here when I was in high school and um, was able to wor work with dad for about the next oh, 17, 18 years, which was which was great. He taught me everything about the magazine business. Um, uh, dad doesn't he, he didn't own the magazines. He, um, so he was the publications director at a company called Village Press, and it's a larger mm -hmm. company printing press in, in Traverse City, and uh, he helped head up the magazine division. So we have about 20 to 30 some magazines, um, but then we edit ourselves, the dog ones. Um, so it's it, it's kind of nice when he retired, um, I stepped into his role both as editor of those three magazines plus as the publications director. So read a lot of words. Um, it's, it's always nice when I was just working on uh, the next issue of Pointing Dog Journal today, the May-June issue, and it's it's always nice when I can kind of take off my supervisor cap and put on my editor cap and I get to look at great photos of dogs and and read stories from uh, from a lot of, of today's really, really great writers. Um, in addition, continue writing with with uh, with books. Um, I have a, I have a fiction novel that came out several years ago. So I, I try to do a lot of, of writing currently um, myself. My brother and a couple of other outdoor writers have two volumes out right now that are a collection of hunting and fishing stories, big game, upland, waterfowl, trout fishing, um, uh, panfish, fishing, you know, just kind of general outdoor stuff. And we kind of hearkened it back to some of the older outdoor literature that we weren't really finding um, these days since a, a lot of it has has come to the digital world. Um Things that were maybe reminiscent of stuff like our dad used to write and Gene Hill and Corey Ford and Gordon McQuarrie and uh, those stories we grew up on. And uh, we felt we all turned around and realized we were pushing on 50 years old and, and have uh, quite a few experiences ourselves. Um, so we put together a couple of those volumes and uh, we just self-published them on Amazon. They were more for ourselves um, to kind of share with one another and with and with friends and they have been so fun to work on and it's just it's it's almost cathartic to be able to sit down and just just write for the fun of writing sometimes without it you know saying I have to place this story I, you know it, uh, it's uh, it's it's been a it's been a nice change we're kind of starting to assemble things for a third volume of that and and uh, that's cool so th those have been fun yeah what are they called um well so we kind of <laughs> so we kind of called ourselves uh the lost branch sportsman's club and what it is my my brother and i and my brother and i are like absolutely the he's my favorite hunting partner in the world and uh and fishing partner and then a good friend of his named john osborne um, who has written for the magazines and he has uh, a fly fishing, a couple of fly fishing books out. And then another fellow by the name of Greg Fry, who is uh, writes more uh, for Michigan publications. He's a school teacher also. Um, we got to banter and back and forth and it got to be just kind of this, uh, Greg said, we felt like we were forming a tree fort club or something. And uh, <laughs> so we just started kicking things around. And um, the first one is called Northwest of Someplace. And uh, the second one is called Another Day of Field. Um, and they're really short. Um, I think the first the first book has three stories from each of us. And the second one has four. 
Um, so those are, you know, they're, they're available on Amazon, but, um, again, we, we, we kind of did it for ourselves, but then we got, um, we've had some stores pick it up. Some other magazines carry it. Um, I believe sporting classics has been, has been ordering some from us and carrying it. I was just going to say, I, I pulled it up, uh, doing some Google savvy Googling yeah. on the fly <laughs> and sporting classics store.com has, has them. Yeah. Um, and, it, can, so there, it does remind me of uh, Gord McQuarrie and like the old duck hunters. Yeah, like we it. we had kind of felt that um, a lot of the uh, uh, storytelling, since it has moved a lot of it to YouTube and and social media, that was it was a little bit more sort of. Um, I guess that that real time kind of in your face sort of sort of feeling, and none of the the four of us are that are, are that savvy we we you know we i'll the only reason i take my phone with me is so that you know i i've it's an emergency lifeline and uh uh i think i make the comment in in one of the in one of the introductions that you know when we when we went out when we were younger to hunt and fish that was the whole point of doing it was to get away from everything and now it seems like the trend is to bring everybody with us into those kind of intimate places that we we really just kind of wanted to be alone and unplugged for a while. So we kind of th- felt that, you know, a throwback to just some kind of traditional stories would kind of speak to that a little bit. Uh, that, now, are uh, they fictional? Uh, no, there, there might be a couple of fiction ones here and there. We, we try to stay away from fiction. Um, we usually sort of all, you know, I think Chris has, uh, my brother Chris has, has won in the, in the first, and we kind of all talk about it. We're like, Hey, I, I got a really cool idea, but it's fiction. Are you guys okay with that? Um, but pretty much all of them are, are, uh, uh, are factual. Yes. Cool. I struggle with the, you know, I guess on some respects, like we, we have social media, we have a YouTube, we have an Instagram, we have a podcast. And I feel like I like to share. I like to mm-hmm. teach. I like to document and use creative, um, my, the artistic side of me to like share some of this stuff. But 100%, I would be so cool with just throwing this thing that's called a phone in the in the pond and being like yeah no this is this is for me this is my duck hunt this yep. is my grouse hunt i don't need to document all of it and so i i wrestle with it yep. all the time and so I, I really fully understand where you're coming from yep. just this is I, i'm not working right now and i'm hunting I'm, yeah it, and we and you know it's it's kind of tough with being you know with with steering the magazines too because we need to have have those digital touch points and you know we need to to speak in those channels and everything I'll, I'll be the first to say we don't do it very well i don't do it very well and that i think that shows um but then there's also a part of me that is uh and, and i and i do get letters from readers that you know when the pointing dog journal or the retriever journal shows up in the mailbox it's like they do the same thing they take the phone they put it down and they can just sit and read for a while and they don't, they haven't, we haven't been blasting them with information every single day 
Um, I think it dilutes your message a little bit when you're hitting people over the head every single day with, you know, five Facebook posts and, you know, all of the daily and um, the magazine comes out and it's like, yeah, you know, they said something like this just over the last 20 days and it, it kind of gets tossed. Mm-hmm. We do, we have an email newsletter and um, that we send out. We have lots more non-subscribers who get our, our e-newsletter. And it's, you know, sometimes it's an article. Usually it's a sneak peek for an upcoming issue. We'll publish an excerpt from an article, share the table of contents. Um, but we do one a month. That's mm-hmm. it. You know, and our consequently, our unsubscribe rates are like less than a quarter of a percent each time. Because right. when it, we show up in your inbox, it's, oh, I haven't seen these guys in a while. Click. And, you know, people will check it out and read it. Um, so it's... It's uh, it's it's another kind of aspect that we advise on at the company I work uh, at the company I work with. On we work with a lot of associations throughout the state and throughout the nation. Um, a lot of times, these associations have trouble keeping their members, and they all have a magazine for their as a member benefit. Uh, think of like Safari Club International. You know, they have a, a magazine, Pheasants Forever. It's an association. They've got a magazine. Um, a lot of times, these people not not those two, but the you know, uh, a medical society, for example, they don't realize they're in the magazine business. So our company can come in and, and help them. And a lot of times, they they're like, we need to email every single day, and we're like, no, you're you're gonna just people are gonna tune you out. And so, and I feel that it's even more so sometimes in the outdoor world because of the additional channels, and it's fun. Everybody loves seeing the you know hooking a big trout or the Canada's come right into the decoys or um, those videos are great. And there is absolutely a place for all of that, but there's also a place to just have it be quiet too. <laughs> and so that's kind of what we wanted to speak to with those stories. And, and what I'm trying to kind of bring back into the magazines are, are some more nostalgic type stories. Um, it's not all nuts and bolts. It's not all um uh, hitting you over the head with where to go, how to make your dog better, how to be a better shot. There is some more kind of callback to to the George Bird Evans, which, uh, you know, it's, um, some of my dad's old stuff, which is just fantastic. Um, uh, but then also some of the new writers who can who are crafting some pretty darn good stories uh, uh, as well. Who are some of the new writers that you would push our listeners to like, if anyone is listening to this and doesn't know who George Bird Evans is, that's someone you should go and read. Um, yeah. But who would you say like, man, this guy or gal is just killing it right now. You should, you guys need to look out for this. Uh, you know, it's so I've, there's an inherent bias here because uh I have, I'm responsible for putting out 18 magazine issues a year. So when I get home, I don't want to read any magazines. So I, I am not reading a lot of, of, uh, some of the other great outdoor literature out there. Um, some of the other, uh, you know, great magazines. And I know several of the other editors and it's, it's not this big competition. You know, many of us are friends. We've seen each other at the shot show and things like that. And, um, uh, you know, we, we talk frequently, sometimes we trade stories on, um, bad experiences with freelance writers. Um, 
it's it's odd. I had one editor write me and he I had published a story by a guy I had never uh, published before. And I'm not going to share names, but uh, he wrote me and um, he had known my dad, of course. And um, he said, hey, I saw you published a story by this guy. And he goes, I want you to know that I was actually working with him on that story, suggested a whole bunch of revisions. And then he took it. I never heard from him. And lo and behold, it shows up in your magazine. And I was like, I am so sorry. I had no clue that that history had happened. Right. As it turns out, this editor who contacted me, he was the guy who took me on my first bird hunt when I was 10 years old and I shot my first bird over his dog. And so we got to reminiscing and I photocopied um, the photo out of my journal and sent it to him and he, he put it in his magazine. And so awesome. it's like, you know, we're, we're kind of this, uh, this, this brotherhood, this, this, um, uh, of, of, of people. So looking at the people writing for us who, who have been really killing it, um, right now at the top of his game is Tom Keir. Um, the guy is just, I, I don't know where he comes up with all these ideas, frankly. Um, he just writes everywhere and and it is darn good stuff when he, when it comes in um it's some of the cleanest and if tom is listening to this I, I still have to put in comments though because tom really doesn't know where a comment goes sometimes but that's okay <laughs> the content is great um uh and i and and he's very involved and he and i had a lot of talk um leading up to the book launch too he wrote the introduction for our second book uh for us in fact very similar feelings. Um, but I see where he shares just all the different magazines he's written for, from, from saltwater journals to guns and ammo to, um, you know, all of our magazines, gun dog, well, I mean, you name it. And he has appeared in it. The guy just is a machine. Um, John Osborne, one of my, uh, one of my good friends, um, he has, he has really, really upped his game. My, my, my brother, actually, he's mainly an artist, um, but over about the last 10 years, he's been writing for a local newspaper, but then his writing has just absolutely skyrocketed. Um, just working on a story today from uh, Ryan Sparks. Um, uh, he's just the, the I, and I had worked with him before. Uh, he published an article, a fly fishing article of mine in Strung a few years ago. Um Anyway, so we got to know each other and he's like, I'm going to send some stuff to you one of these days. And anyways, I was working on it today and uh, great mix of photos. Excellent advice uh, that you guys are going to love coming out in the May, June issue. Um, Scott Linden uh, out West. He's another guy who's just a machine, um, cranks out a lot of content for us. And then, um, you know, obviously some of the some of the. Uh, Guys who are still kicking around, Don Thomas. I have worked with him since I was since day one. Um, and uh, Tom Davis, Tom stepped back from writing every issue in Pointing Dog Journal uh, recently, um, not through any any ill will or he's like, I've just I got to do some other things. And uh, he's yeah. like, when the when the fancy hits me, I'll, I'll write something up. Well, he was off one issue and then he sent me another story just a few weeks ago. So, so he'll be back periodically, but Tom is one of those who, when he would write, or I'm sorry, when he would submit a story, um, I'd go get coffee and just read it. I, I would hardly edit it. 
um, I'd have to reformat a few things because it works on a Macintosh, but, uh, but that was it. And I just, whew, just put it through. And, um, his, his historical pieces about old trainers, old dogs, um, are just, they're some of my favorite, favorite things that, that, that he writes. Um, so I know I didn't even touch the, you know, tip of the iceberg of the, the number of good young writers who are out there now. And if any are listening, you know, I'd be love, I'd love to get submissions of queries and, and things like that. Please shoot them my way. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's neat. I love, I love finding new voices. I would offer a caution to new voices though, in that, um, your first articles are not going to be Gene Hill because I hate to put it, I'll, I'll put it candidly, but nobody cares and nobody knows who you are. And so you need to develop that reputation and that, um, that expertise and that respect by writing and, uh, you know, more instructional stuff, you know, helping teach people develop that trust that the readers will have in you. And then they'll, they'll start to care about, you know, what you think the ducks look like coming over the decoys and how cool that is, you know, but it's very, very difficult to start out that way. Um, my dad started writing, he covered township board meetings for the local paper when we lived in Saginaw and developed his writing craft that way. And then um, they asked him to fill in for an outdoor column. So we started writing that like 500 words about things like ice fishing and rabbit. I never saw my dad go ice fishing once, but he knew how to interview people. He knew how to talk to people and, and he just developed his craft that way. Um, I think Michael McIntosh started the same way, working either uh, covering like DNR meetings or something. I not don't quote me on that, but again, started in that in the trenches, sort of, so to speak, mm-hmm. um, with the ease of access accessibility today, and apparently a lot of free time that a lot of younger people have that I don't have. Um, they get out a lot more and develop a lot more experience and expertise. Um, but the outdoors is funny in that it's still sort of the, to kind of earn some of that respect from others, you still kind of got to go through the school of hard knocks and kind of prove yourself a little bit. And, uh, uh, sometimes that comes through more instructional writing, um, and, you know, develop the, 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 the more lyrical craft on the side. And then eventually, you know, sometimes you'll hit upon a, a real zinger that uh is you know you feel is is really good it helps if you can develop a good relationship uh with an editor you know an an editor you trust um you can deliver dependable content on time good photo support um and if you can't provide photo support at least provide ideas for photos um most importantly, you're able to work within an editor's budget, which they're becoming increasingly tighter as paper supplies increase. Those are all things that I have to look at. How much does our ink cost? And that will sometimes determine how much I can um, uh, afford on my editorial content budget. Um, if you develop that sort of uh, trustworthy relationship with an editor, a lot of times that, you know, that that guy or gal will give you a shot. They'll give you a, a thousand words to craft a story, a story story, you know, and, uh, and, and see how it goes. 
That's really cool. I always wondered how someone would get into it. Like I'm not a writer. Um, in fact, I'm from saying I'm not a writer. I'm like trying to work on a dog training book, but I'm not a writer. It doesn't come naturally to me. Um, I have to put a lot of effort into it. And then it turns out I write like I talk. So pretty discombobulated. And but a long time ago, I wrote this piece and it was, I thought, pretty good. And I sent it to a, a bunch of different people. And like you said, it was like immediate, like auto response, almost like, hey, this is uh, not going to cut it. Thanks for your submission. And and I, I never tried again. Right. Mm-hmm. It's not what it was not my goal. So I wasn't persistent. Right. I, right. I just thought I just did something cool. Maybe they would like it. And it's okay. like for me, it was OK that it didn't pan out. But if someone said this is my life's goal, I want to be a writer. I want to write hunting and fishing books slash be in the magazines. Your your advice is I still think that's great advice for someone who wants to be a dog trainer. You can't just say you are. Right. You have to go through the muck and the mud and the sweat and the the tough times that everyone else did to earn that badge of honor to be almost into like the old boys club, right? Like it's it's kind of what it is. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, the the best place if that is someone is listening and it is sort of their life goal or whatever, the best place to start, the best place to get your practice is a hunting journal. Just start, you know, and, and, and move past the numbers for crying out loud. This is supposed to be fun and not a competition. Okay. And not even a competition with yourself. Move past that. If, if you hope to write stuff that explores some of the deeper things about the outdoors, you have to be okay with experiencing some of the deeper things about the outdoors. And the best way to do that is to just leave all expectations back at the truck. You know, don't, don't take out five bullets and say, this is my goal today to get, you know, five birds with five shots. No, don't you, you, you have to go searching for, for what else is out there. And a hunting journal is the best way to start to express that, to start to craft that and then do a lot of reading. Um, uh, you know, for for me, it was um, it was Gordon McQuarrie. I don't know if you guys get the Retriever Journal or not, but uh, the next issue, I have a story coming out in there called A Man Named Pink. And it's actually a very old experience um, that I had with a, a fellow by the name of Tom Pink, a duck hunting story that uh, my wife and I, we went to, to school together. Um, and it was just it's it's just it's just kind of a lighthearted story. But anyways. He would call my brother and I at college and leave excerpts from Macquarie on our voicemail during the duck season. I mean, that's that's the that's how you sort of uh, immerse yourself in in that world. And uh, um, I still I was just looking through the Macquarie books the other day. Um, uh, abs- just absolutely fascinating. Got a chance to listen to an audio version of them, and and they were great. Really, that's cool. That's fantastic. I've read as as many as I can find. I they're some of my most favorites. I reread them all the time. Yep. When yep. I have some spare time, when I sit down and just want to like relax and unwind after a week. Yep. That's usually one of my go-tos. 
Yeah, and I, I love, love I love a lot of his fishing stories too on the Brule, and uh, uh, those those get me pumped. I I I like writing fishing uh, fly fishing stories because. Uh, I'm not surrounded by that all day long, even though our, our company just purchased um, American Fly Fishing magazine uh, oh, cool. about, a year, about a year ago. And we retained the editor, John Shuey. That's that's another fellow I, I, I left off my list. Um, John has been the editor for American Fly Fishing for a number of years. Um, he started submitting stuff to Pointing Dog Journal. He's got um, Weimaraners. And um, so we got to know each other that way. And so I've written for him. He's written for me. And his his stuff that he sends for PDJ, extremely well researched, grounded in in you know vetted fact, and um, he's he's doing a great job both on that writing side, but then also in in how he edits American Fly Fishing. Um, so yeah, that's that was a nice addition to our our magazine division. Uh, excited to see how that continues to evolve. Um, but uh, yeah, I I so. I, I don't involve myself with his, I, I just stay out of his way when it comes to the editing for that. Um, but, uh, but I, I find myself lo- uh, liking to write about fly fishing more just because I'm not surrounded by it all day long. Um, sometimes, and I mean, I'm even surrounded by the labs here right now. So sometimes I'm like, <laughs> I'm a dog break right now, but yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I got, I got to ask, what are, what are some of your favorite Macquarie stories? Oh goodness! Bluebills tied at dawn. That's one of the. Well, okay, that, that's that one. one that one is. It's that's like uh, you can just kind of add that, you know, check that off. But yeah, um, down went McGinty is a good one. Speaking um, of fishing ones, yeah. Yeah, speaking of fishing ones, um, boy, gosh, all I the, have a hard time remembering the names, honestly. Me but too. I can tell me you, too. I can tell you all the, you know, the ones I like. I like the one where the guy goes kayak or uh, canoeing by himself takes a break from work for like three Is weeks, it, gets lost. And nothing up, to do for three weeks. Yep. That was uh, oh. that I would, I, if, if I could, I would live those three weeks, like, and just keep going at adding them on yeah. uh, to the end of each other. But uh, yeah, his, his, he had, he had uh, a way and, and I, I mentioned it in the introduction of, of one of our lost branch books is that he and, you know, Corey Ford, uh, dad, Gene Hill, they, they had a way of writing for, I, I called it, they, they wrote for the everyman. They just, you know, the, the way that they it's wrote, way they, to put weren't, it. they weren't these epic hunts. They weren't these like bucket list things. They weren't these once in a lifetime trips to uh, Africa or ginormous elk or, or whatever. They were just, they were just our everyday hunts, but they had a way as I mentioned before, of seeing what else was there. And they just had an absolute wonderful talent in how they conveyed it. Um, and it just, it, it, it forced you, it just, it, you didn't have a choice. It forced you to be back in your own moments of your everyday hunts and realize that, you know, if I go out and miss a couple of woodcock and my dog broke point and you know what? Okay. It was fine, you know. What did I get yeah. to do? I got to go walk around outside for a little while. I mean, it's uh I have I have never been a very good shot, which is great. So that you know, it was frustrating when I was younger, but it's I totally appreciate it now because it it forced me to find enjoyment in in everything else besides the shooting 
Otherwise, I'd have given this up a long time ago. Um, and so I brought my my boys up that way too. And uh, um, and it's it's neat seeing them, you know, grow into young men and have those same sorts of experiences where, you know, they're talking about the sunrise and they're talking about, you know, the funny thing our lab Ginny did and uh, um, seeing a couple of, you know, wood duck streak behind their streak just out of range, you know, and they can they can find so much more um, than just pulling the trigger. It's funny. It, it's funny you say that. It's like, well, you had mentioned nothing to do for, for three weeks. The first third of that story, roughly, is him just driving and, and having, you know, remember how he puts it, but like he doesn't, uh, doesn't want to waste the day hurrying or something like that mm-hmm. uh, because there's just so much to it. Right. I, I do love those stories. They're phenomenal. Yeah. And, and I have as, as my, so my oldest son is 21 and my, uh, my middle, my, uh, my other son is 18. So my older ones, he's off at college. Um, he was just home last week for spring break and my other one's getting ready. And then I've got it. We have a daughter too. And all of us are, they're all outdoorsmen. My wife, um, oh, geez. I think that's one of the reasons I fell in love with her is because she was, uh, just as wacko of a hunter as I was. Um, her dad worked for the Michigan DNR for like 38 years. And, um, one of our first, the the first time I, after we'd been dating for several months, you know, and I went down to visit in the summer, um, got up at six o'clock the next morning and we went and banded ducks. I mean, that was just one of the things we, her and her family did. And she's a huge deer hunter. Sorry about that. Turn the light off. Uh, she's a huge deer hunter. And so, going to school in South Dakota together. We were newly married. The pheasants and ducks were just, we actually did more duck hunting than pheasant hunting, frankly, out there. And just cause it was, it was easy. You didn't need a boat, you just sack of decoys, you sit in the dry grass and you have 10 different species of ducks that will come by in a day. Um, I want to talk about the dogs of your life. Okay. The, some of the memories, you know, oh, we, gosh. and I came to Michigan for the first time actually that's a lie this was my second time um i had a wedding <laughs> that doesn't count <laughs> i took my grouse dog okay to the okay wedding, okay and i went grouse hunting the morning of the wedding so that's, you just went up in my book very good very <laughs> yeah good. dude i was in the wedding too so i had to be back at a certain time to put the tux on and go into the wedding but i took i'm my surprised you're still friends with the person who scheduled a wedding during grouse season but you know yeah yeah <laughs> But he let me bring my dog, so I was cool. <laughs> and it was just near Traverse City, too. So I okay. hit, uh, a, you know, whether the gems are really any good or not, I don't know. But I didn't find a single grouse. I, I flushed a few woodcock. Yeah. And my setter at that point was like eight or nine months old, and she didn't know what she was doing. Yeah. But that was So that was my first Michigan experience. And then Kevin and I went up to the UP this fall. Oh, um, nice. Yeah, we really had a nice time. Uh, grouse numbers for us weren't crazy good, but woodcock were plentiful, and we did point and flush and hear and see grouse. And yep. um, I think our party, so it was four guys, um, maybe had six grouse by the end of the something like that. Trip. Yeah, which you know, heck. I'll take that all day. Right. Yeah. Um, we put the it miles a, in for it though. We, that, yeah. that was a lot of, that was sunrise to sunset. 
boots on the ground. Yeah. On, on X, trying to figure out what we're doing, where we're going. So one of my favorite hunts was in the UP. And um, my brother and I went to school at Lake Superior State in Sault Ste. Marie. So right on the uh, border with Canada. And that's where I met my wife, too. She was in the same Fish and Wildlife program. And um, I had just bought that summer um, a Fox 16 gauge. First gun I bought with my own money. I was 19, 18. Uh, so it was my freshman year up there or sophomore year. And um, Chris was on a field trip for one of his labs. They were, I think it was a soils class or something. And um, a they were going through an intersection and a woman coming the other way had a stroke and hit their van, hit their school van, flipped it. Um, he was fine, but he was pulling kids out of the van. A um, couple of kids were pretty were, were pretty messed up. Everybody survived. The, the woman, unfortunately, did not. Um, and I remember him calling me because I was up there. And I, I mean, I was 19. I didn't know what to do. And, uh, you know, he got back and the next morning. He's like, we need to go hunting. You know, he just I, I just need. I mean, he was, he was still still shaking. And uh, we went to this cover that was the thickest, nastiest stuff. And it was the first hunt that I had with this gun. And it poured. Absolutely just torrential downpour. Chris didn't care. He's like, I just, we need to walk. And we got absolutely drenched. Did not see a bird, of course. And it was one of the best hunts. And it was just, you were in the middle of absolute nowhere. He was extremely close to, uh, uh, you know, losing his life by just, I mean, a millisecond. And uh, those are the types of things where you get into the outdoors. And I mean, we, we it's a trite cliche, say, you know, something will put things in perspective. And then something actually makes you put things in perspective. And you really know what it means. Um, those are the those are the types of things with uh, my 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 18 year old a couple this was covid ball um didn't get out much everybody was just mad and you know depressed with all the lockdowns and we got out hunting he got into his first grouse brood never seen a grouse flush before um never pulled the trigger was absolutely wide-eyed and i brought some camp chairs and we sat and ate cheese and sausage and gave treats to the dog neither one of us touched a, touched a, a, the trigger and those are those are the ones that stick with me those those are it's it's maybe not full hunts but it's moments within hunts that i think you have to be on the search for you you, you just you just have to be um my dad has always said and i said it earlier that you know this is all supposed to be fun and i think we lose track of that a lot yeah yeah talk to me about some of the dogs that you've had in your life that increased the fun of the hunt yeah well i'd like to say my english my old english setter did but she drove me crazy more than anything <laughs> uh, my wife got her for me as a grad college graduation present and um she and then we took her to so when we we both got master's degree appointments out to south dakota right after undergraduate school and uh so we took her out there, you know, we, uh, we ended up getting married around Christmas that year. So, uh, Allie was her, was my dog's name. She lived with me. My wife lived in, 
in uh, a little apartment in college town and and uh that dog i swear was cat and should have died nine different times she had a really severe uh autoimmune reaction disease whatever uh it's temperature spikes is when she was about six months old um and the vets out there brought her through it and from that point on from when she was a puppy i was just happy she was around so she was not the best pointing dog um and she ran away in like standing south dakota <laughs> cornfields in you know at dusk and i'm i lost a dog when i was a when i was a kid when my dad's pointer got loose and was hit by a car so i am absolutely petrified of our dogs running away speaking of dogs family's uh, home <laughs> one second that uh ran away like i said multi rat poison um we got her through that uh ran away like i said multiple times and um she was just the most a setter you know they they can be aloof and when she went on point, it was the most, you think the earth stood still. I mean, it was just absolutely beautiful. Um, for the first bird she ever pointed, a wild South Dakota rooster was on my birthday. And that that year, um, her first, before she was a year old, and I shot it, fell in this little wetland, and we couldn't find it. And my wife and I were supposed to go out to dinner that night, and I I'm we're back home and I mean I searched all over and I just I was just torn up like my dog's first point you know she was my first dog um on my birthday no less and so I'm like I'm sorry I got to go back out there so I went back out there no gun no dog no nothing and I got down on my hands and knees and I'm parting the grass and I finally found one feather and so I went a little farther I found another feather and then I eventually found the bird and uh like two and a half hours later. Um, and it was, and it was still there. And, uh, she lived till she was 16 and, uh, she pointed a bird and my in-laws have a shooting preserve in, in, uh, uh, central Michigan. And she pointed a bird, she walked out, we planted a hen pheasant for her and she just kind of ambled out, pointed a bird and it got up and I, I was taking pictures and both my wife and my son missed. And I was like, Oh no! <laughs> Her last bird. She turned around, went back to the house, and that was it. And um, we tried taking her duck hunting out there. I tried to make her to a, a retriever, and that lasted one helpless blue wing teal that made the mistake of coming in. And she went out, sniffed it, and looked at me like, "You got to be kidding me!" And came back, and three months later, we got a lab, and uh, so we had a young lab and and a young setter that grew up together out in South Dakota, and that was. That was a riot. Right now, um, I've got four dogs, four labs, and only one of them's really my hunting dog, Jin, uh, Ginny. We got her right as our setter was nearing the end of her life. Um, we ended up getting another lab as a leader dog for the blind mom. So she's a breeder. And mm -hmm. so we entered their, their breeder host family program. And so... She came into our home. We had three litters here. They the lead, bred with leader dogs, stud dogs. We we whelp the dogs, caretake them for about six to eight weeks, and then they go back to leader dogs for their placement and training. After she retired, we were able to adopt her. Um, well, one of her pups, uh, the very last puppy she had, uh, flunked 
out. He was career changed. Uh, he couldn't he couldn't make it. Um, so they give the option to adopt to the person who was the puppy raiser first and then the breeder family uh, second. So the puppy raiser had moved out of the country. So then they came to us. We're like, ah, it's our only chance to get one of her puppies. Uh, so we brought him home. That was that was about six years ago now. Um, well, then a month ago, we get another call from Leader Dogs and a puppy from the very first litter um, who went on to be a guide dog uh, was retiring and his owner couldn't keep him. Um, it broke her heart when we had kept in touch with her um, on, on social media and she said it broke her heart. She just couldn't keep him. And he was puppy racing the prison system. Um, so then they called us and we're like, really four labs in the house, but yeah, what are we going to do? We, we went and got him. So, yeah, do it. so he's been here a month and, um, he's enjoying retirement. I take him into work, uh, back every Wednesday morning. It's, I call it emotional support Wednesday at work. And I, a steady stream of people come by my office and just spend a few minutes with them, petting them. And, and I'm going to try to train him up to be a therapy dog. Um, he needs to just get an evaluation, but he saved his uh, his person's life a number of times. She would she would write to us, and his name's Cajun, and uh, he's like, you know, Cajun stopped me from crossing the street in front of a car today. You know, Cajun avoided me around of some construction and and all of that. And it was it's, it's absolutely incredible what these dogs know how to do. And uh, so the the other male, uh, the the one who dropped out, I've been slowly training him to be a hunting dog. Um, he had, he's, he's a very sensitive dog. Um, so I've got to be very, very careful with him. I took my time with uh, force fetch and just, I took like all summer to do it. And now he's, he's really good and loves it. Um, had his first pheasant fetch and, um, and flush a couple of years ago and just is, he's enthralled with it. So it'll be fun. Uh, Jenny is 12. So it'll be nice to have a dog that's kind of in his prime. Uh, but again, going back to the uh, trying to, you know, discover something more about the outdoors. He's I am not winning any competitions with him. I'll be happy if he comes back. I'll be happy if the bird comes back and the feather's still on it. Um, but uh, he watching him run is, I mean, labs. And goldens, but labs especially, I think, because of the shorter fur, are so expressive and have so much emotion. And the the dog is literally happy. I mean, you can actually just see the happiness exuding from him. And uh, I just I spend most of the time laughing when I'm just walk, you know, walk along with a gun and I'm just laughing at him, just watching him just absolutely enjoy himself. Um, even my my old dog, uh, when she goes out. She jumps around still on two bad back legs. Um, at 12 years old, she jumps and spins in circles and she nips at my hand like, come on, faster, faster. And I am just going to be absolutely heartbroken, uh, you know, when she's not around to do that anymore. But uh, um, yeah, yeah, it's, uh, you know, the the dog. <laughs> The dogs, obviously, and with the, with the job too, dogs have been such an important part of our lives. Um, I, I don't know how many vacuum cleaners we've gone through. Eventually, we just gave up. We just pick up handfuls of dog hair as we walk by them in the kitchen. Uh, people come over. It's the first thing we tell them, don't wear black clothes. They're all yellow labs here. Um, and uh, 
you know, pretty much it's, it's just, yeah, that's, that's what we, that's what we deal with, you know, part of life. Do you ever think you'll do another setter? Oh, maybe when the kids are gone and I can focus a little bit more, I wouldn't bring a pony dog into a setting with this many dogs. I think simply right. because I would want to be able to focus a little bit more, uh, on the dog. And I'm just, you know, my family is still young and, uh, we're just pulled in so many different directions that I, I mean, I feel guilty enough, not, you know, not taking these guys out for walks, uh, every single day or, you know, throwing them the ball in the yard. But, uh, um, and that is one of the nicer things I, I appreciate about retrievers compared to pointing dogs is that you can get a lot of work done with a retriever right in your yard. You know, they, everything with a retriever starts from your side and you know, you've got to do your job so that they can do theirs. You've got to shoot the bird so they can, they can go fetch it. Pointing dog is just the opposite. Their work is out there. It's, it's away from you. They've got to do their job first before you can do yours. Um, so the appeal with retrievers right now is that I can do a lot of the training, um, hand signals, whistle drills, all that stuff, just right in the backyard. And, and it, and it will, it will translate for the amount of hunting I do and the type of hunting I do, it translates just fine with a pointing dog to just train. Once you get past, obviously the basics of the yard work and all of that stuff um, and obedience, you have to essentially go hunting. And, and right now that is just not in our schedule. <laughs> that is just not in our calendar yeah. to be, it's all I can do to get out in September and October. I can't, uh, I can't get out and, you know, all the other times of the year as well to train. Um, I think if we did get another pointing dog, I might not get a setter. I might try one of the other great breeds. Um, there's a lot of really great, uh, Britneys out there. Um, I've always loved short hairs. I have a, a, a coworker of my wife. Uh, he's just getting a French Brittany right now. So I'm kind of anxious to see how, how his dog comes along. I've had some really fun experiences with some of the flushing spaniels, some of the, the new little cockers and English cockers that are, uh, around those dogs are just the energizer bunny talk about laughing when you're walking behind one watching them hunt those dogs just go yeah. a mile a minute they are so cool um so i think there there are so many great uh hunting dogs out there i think the quality of breeding in general no matter the breed has greatly improved i think um i think a, a large reason of that is because so many people are wrapping these dogs into their home life that, you know, the many years ago, breeders took notice and, and that, that temperament, that quality of also being an inside dog, being a family dog. I mean, the truth is guys that, you know, that dog's a hunting dog a couple months out of the year and it's a family member 365 days. And so I think breeders took notice of that. And I think you're seeing a, a just just lots better, um, more well-rounded dogs for that whole year experience that we can get with dogs, because there is so much more to them beyond, um, you know, just those, those really cool moments of perfection they give us in the field. And, uh, uh, not when they're puking on the carpet or their dog pad, <laughs> but that goes with the territory. So, and I'm, and I'm not really looking forward to the snow melting up here and what's going to be left behind, but, uh, 
Uh, so that'll be a job for the rubber boots. But do you grouse hunt with your labs? Yep. Yeah, I I I love it. My um, in fact, uh, Jenny actually prefers upland hunting. She she you know we always we always joke that that she calls duck hunting stupid hunting because she's just got to sit there and she wants to be moving. So uh, with the, she does a lot of pheasant hunting on my in laws preserve. And, uh, and just loves it. She's, she's always stayed close. Um, it's, it's weird. And I'm sure you guys have seen this when you get your dog out and with, you know, several people and, uh, maybe a couple of days later, it's just you and the dog and it's completely different. You can just sort of point here, you know, it's, it's, it becomes almost a conversation. Um, uh, when you're, when you're walking through the woods, when it's just you and your dog and get more people out their their juices get going. They feel they got to cover the line for everybody. And, and you're like, where did this come from? You know? And, uh, uh, yeah. so when her and I get out, it's, it's really neat. Obviously she doesn't move very fast anymore, but, um, but, uh, she's just, it was, it was funny. Uh, I shot a woodcock over her, um, last year and we got into this cover where we had moved some before and I'm like, Hey, go this way. And she stopped and she looked at me and I'm like this way. And she takes a couple steps and she's like, mm, she kind of shook and went this way. Boom. Flushed a bird. Like, <laughs> and, uh, and it was one of the few, I few I was able to, uh, actually hit. And, uh, so that was, that was pretty cool. And she brought it back. Like I told you, so That's awesome. it was, it was neat. Do you still hunt with your Fox? Oh yeah. Yep, that is my favorite gun. And if you want to want to hear an interesting story, so I bought that at a local gun shop here in Traverse City back in 1994, I believe. Like I said, I was uh, I was 19, and uh, first gun I bought with my own money. And um, uh, back in 2020, so it's my favorite gun. I have shot I've shot turkeys with it, uh, taken it up to Canada, and I've shot. Black ducks, grouse, woodcock, sharp tails, prairie chickens. Um, shot a sage grouse with it one time, the only sage grouse nice. I ever saw. Um, and uh, so my older son, Pete, was um, uh, he was 18. This was COVID year. He was a COVID senior. So he lost a lot of his senior year. And um, we went into the same gun shop, different location, but same gun shop, and uh, just browsing and um, I'll be darned if they didn't have a fox there. And uh, I had something that I needed them to look at on mine. And uh, so we looked at it and uh, at this one on the shelf and it was a spitting image of mine. And so I, I looked at it and I had mine in the car because we were on our way to the preserve and uh, brought it in. And the serial numbers were like 1300 apart. And I turned, I said, Pete, you have to buy this gun. I said, yeah. I'm not buying it for you. I said, you have to buy it. So he put it on layaway and got it a few months later, the same, same way I did. So, um, uh, he, he loves it and they, they are, they're probably, I think they're from 1938. There's the, um, the savage Fox, but right in that kind of transition phase. Um, and, uh, yeah, that, that close in production was, it was weird at the same gun shop. He bought it at almost the same age that I was, and it was the first gun he bought with his own money. So it was, it was really neat. It was really neat. Uh, also a 16 gauge choked tight and tighter. And, uh, uh, 
And the first birdie shot with it was a was a turkey. <laughs> That's awesome. That's uh, one of the things that you kind of keep alluding to, or whether you know it or not, from the minute we started this podcast till now, you you and I have a lot of similarities on nostalgia. The the art of it, the 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 oldness of it, the feel of it, the the feel right it's like romantic in a it is romantic yeah thank you kevin that's the word i'm looking for and it's just if i'm lucky enough to have a son someday like that i would love to have that moment like i can't buy it for you you got to understand why save up your money this is this this it's just it's badass it's it's exactly what you would want um I appreciate that about you. And I appreciate that you still have your Fox and hunt with it all the time. Like that's, that's how I am. I have a bent rib scratch to heck, like beat up. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't old gun. And, and it's just, I feel like I'm cheating on it. If I take something else, it has to be about stuff. That's more, uh, it is, it is so much more. It, it has to be about stuff. That's more than just birds in the bag. Nothing drives me battier, and my brother like drives him off, you know, a, a cliff of hearing things like, you know, shot a combined limit of mallards in twenty five minutes or whatever. Like I, when we boil this this pastime, this this tradition, this nostalgia down to you know a competition, it it just it loses everything. It it just does and we've always gra- gravitated toward hunting with fewer and fewer people. Um, maybe we go to more familiar covers that aren't the best, but there are covers, you know, and uh, it's, you, you said the word, you know, romantic and, and that's true to a degree, but, but without it being sappy, you know, or overly right. saccharine, it's just, it's just a, a I, I don't, a lot of people will say, well, that's who I am. That's, that's not who I am. You know, I'm a, I'm a dad. I'm a dad. I'm a Christian. I'm uh, a husband. And that's how I like to define myself first before I'm a magazine editor. And uh, be the, the, the tie to the, to the natural world that I've been able to um, experience through, you know, the upbringing that dad gave us when we were really small. So now that I can give to my boys feeds all of those components and it, and it, and it, you know, there, there's a rejuvenating aspect to it. There's a refreshing aspect to it, but there's also the realization that there's even more beyond this, you know, and it is in the relationships we have with our dogs, obviously, um, but also with our family members and how sometimes stepping out of our day-to-day world and being able to get back to some of the basics of just what helps us relax, what helps us um, kind of reconnect. It helps us be better fathers, better spouses, you know, better uh, better coworkers, all of that. Um, so, you know, yeah, seeing the, you know, seeing bluebills come in right at the crack of dawn is is neat and yes i still would love to shoot one you know when it comes in that's why i take a gun i mean i'm not like i'm not just out there um you know just to let everything go because i just want to be there no i 
I love a duck dinner as much as the next guy. And, uh, and I love to cook. I, I don't deer hunt my boys and my wife do. I love the, the butchering, the packaging, um, the cooking, all of that stuff. Um, I wish I could do, do more of, of, of all the aspects of that. Um, so there is a practicalness of, of going out, but it's, I guess for me, instead of it maybe being romantic, it's, it's grounding. It's, it, it helps center me. And, um, that's what helps me sort of see kind of what else is out there. What, what is the more that is making me, uh, feel this way to just kind of make me feel more like me, I guess. And, uh, sometimes that's only when I'm sitting on the bank, you know, waiting for a trout to rise. Um, getting caught in a tree, you know, I've, I've, I, I don't know if you guys have heard the saying, I think it's probably co-opted from something about life's too short to shoot an ugly gun. It's probably why I stick with my Fox, even though I don't shoot it very well, but it's a really cool looking gun. And I love the history of it. Um, and life's too short to just get upset about the, uh, you know, some of the things that don't go your way when we're in a, in a really cool situation you know, uh, in a really neat environment. Um, you know, the guys, you know, three blinds down the row in a managed area are getting all the shooting and I've seen some hunters and it ruins their day. Like, come on, there is way more to life than, than, uh, than, you know, mallards should not dictate your happiness or lack thereof, you know? Um, so I guess that would be, that's kind of my message. I've, always tried to get through my writing and some of the stories that I try to publish is that there is way more to this, uh, to this thing we do with upland hunting, waterfall hunting, living with dogs. Um, there's way more to it. And you, we just, we just kind of need to put our egos aside and I'm going to let that resonate for a minute. <laughs> I definitely think that I can look in the mirror and lose sight of it at times, uh, especially with competitions and it being my job to do well at them. Um, and I can lose sight of the moments with the dogs. Like you are saying, like I have those moments too. I have those memories too, but I tend to want more perfection. I tend to want more, uh, of them instead of being in the moment with them. And I think Kevin, just cause Kevin hunts with me a lot, he would probably say that I need that perspective more often. I don't, I'm not the one who's the bag limit and all that to that degree, but it's more, I need to remember to slow down and enjoy the sheer fact that I'm out there. And that's, I think you said the magic words right there is slow down. And I have taken to, uh, I call it my truck time when I'm, when I get to the spot and especially fishing, um, get to the spot and I get out and I, I, I've taken to unloading my fly fishing vest every single time I take out all the fly boxes I take out and I put, I have this old Winchester ammo box that I put everything in. It's goes from my truck to the closet, you know, whenever I go fishing. And when I get to the spot, I open it up and I load up, you know, I'm like, Oh, I'm going to fish dry flies and, you know, soft tackles today. And so, and I just sit on the tailgate 
and I slow down. And that alone, that, that alone, uh, it, it sounds simple. Sometimes it's difficult to do because you want to, you want to beat the guy to your spot. You know, first you want, especially fly fishing, boy, you want to get on the river and get to the good, to get to a good spot. I see it more in salmon fishing and steelhead fishing because you're catching 20 pound fish and there's only, you know, so many places to do that. Um, but my, I have taken to really liking my truck time and, uh, and, and at the end coming back, taking my time, taking the waiters off, you know, like I, like I mentioned, sitting in camp chairs with my son and just munching on some sausage and, and all that. But don't get me wrong the the, you know, I, like I said, I still like to shoot a bird and catch a fish as much as the next guy. Um, and there is a place for those competitions, especially, um, in, in developing the dogs, the breed, um, uh, I, I mean, that is why we have such fantastic, uh, Labradors now is trace it right back to the, to the advent of the field trial game. You know, those dogs were the breeders. They were the, you know, it's just like horse racing. And, uh, that's how we have gotten so many good genetics, um, is because it was the best of the best. And obviously you needed a way to, to determine that, right. Um, mm where I guess I, where I start to get concerned about that, maybe that next generation coming up is when that mentality sort of infiltrates what should just be a kind of a, a fun day, you know, you guys going out together, uh, you know, the, my brother, my brother and I going out together, that, that stuff never, it, it, it doesn't enter into the equation. You know, I mean, we've seen ducks come in and, and sometimes they've landed and Chris and I have looked at each other and he's like, why didn't you shoot? And I said, well, I thought it was your shot. Cause we, we take turns when we shoot. And he's like, I didn't want to, I, I just, it was cool seeing him come in, you know? And then the next bird comes in and it's like, you know, all hell breaks loose because we want to shoot that bird. <laughs> but for whatever reason that time we didn't. You know, and yeah. so it was, it was our choice. It's, it's almost like a little catch and release hunting sometimes, you know, and, and, uh, uh, so it's, I, I, like I said, I, I, I have grown to, to, to learn to appreciate some of, some of the extra things about the outdoors. Um, some, some people, and I've been around my fair share of, of hunters who are really good about talking that game and appreciating it, but, when they have a limit, then the sunrise is beautiful or the sunset's beautiful. And if they don't, man, sometimes I, I have seen guys, especially like at a, at a lodge or something like that, go to, you know, treating the wait staff terribly and just being crude and being mean to their dogs all because the birds didn't come in or they didn't shoot. They got their limit. They're the nicest person you met. And so it's, it's just, I've tried to just flip flop that. And, you know, view getting a bird or getting a limit um, as kind of icing on the cake, as, as the gift that it really is um, that we're able to experience um, and getting it to do with dogs I love, with people I love, um, with equipment I love. I get unusually attached to things like my box shotgun and a pair of old leather hunting boots. And I feel like I'm carrying a lot of tradition with me um, when I kind of take those things out uh, in the field. Um, so it's, uh, yeah, I, you know, I, I will, uh, I will 
pop a trigger at every woodcock that goes up in front of me, mostly because I know they're going to be perfectly fine. Um, <laughs> and, and I've got a few extra bullets to spare. But uh, um, if they don't fall, it's not the end of the world. It is not the end of the world. If my dog drops the bird a foot in front of me, okay. She doesn't come to heel, okay. You know, it's it's fine. It's one of the my, especially now that she's older, uh, with Jenny when we shoot a pheasant, and you know, and I trained her to come to heel, sit, deliver everything, and now she savors it. You can tell it's it is the darndest thing. She'll I'll, we'll we'll shoot a pheasant. She'll fetch it. And she comes back, she gets about 20 yards away from me and she walks and she saunters and she's, she's just savoring it. You can tell. And so I'm like, I need to savor it too. You know what? So I'll get down on one knee and I let her come in and, and she just stands there and she looks at me like, you know, this is the best moment of my life. And I'm like, it really is. It, it, it really is. That's cool. And it just, there are so many people who will just snatch it up and put it in their bag and keep marching. And I think the sport is worse off for if for that mentality. I, I really do. This is a this is a really cool thing that we are able to partake in and experience it. A um, uh, lot of the the industry is tremendous. In uh, just look at the statistics from the Shot Show and and Pheasant Fest about the kind of dollars that hunting and fishing add to our economies. Um, it's huge and with all of the uh, political aspects of everything, whether it comes to guns or access or um, uh, just, you know, things like anti-hunting and, and all of that, we are on display all the time. Our literature is on display. It is being consumed. Um, it's out there. And we can say, yeah, well, if they got a problem, they can, you know, go jump off the dock. And that is one way to look at it, obviously. Um, and and sometimes that's how you maybe have to handle it, but it doesn't have to be the first way you handle it. It doesn't have to be the first reaction. And so I don't think we lose anything when we just carry ourselves with a little more civility, a little more respect for the environments we're in. Um, I think that goes a long way. Um, it, it may not convince everyone. It's never going to convince everyone. Um, but it's going to certainly take a lot of stress off our minds, which is kind of why we're doing it. Bob, but I really, really enjoyed hearing about your passion for the outdoors and the stories about your, your children and your brother. And it makes me relate very much so because of mine and Kevin's relationship and, and what we do outdoors together and, and with our dogs. Yeah. Um, do me a favor again, tell everybody, where they can find you if they're an aspiring, you know, outdoor writer, you know, as yep. you had already mentioned, like, you know, you, you got to earn your dues, but you seem like the type of guy that if, if someone really, really, really cares about this becoming something special, I feel like you're the type of guy that could be a mentor. That doesn't mean 800 people send him an email tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'll, I'll but, start sending some of your way to weed out. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I probably won't. I don't check email. So, uh, but, um, you know, if, if it's really their passion, I feel like you would be just a, a gentleman, um, 
to, to coach a, a little bit. And I, and I know that you can't do that for everyone. So please know that I'm not saying literally everyone who thinks they can write a, a Twitter tweet, uh, send your stuff to his way, but um, you, you are a gentleman. And, and I hope someday it would be really cool if me, you, Kevin, and Tom Keir could get together in the woods oh, and chase you around know, some dogs. It's odd. I've, I've known Tom, you know, five, six, seven years now. I have never met him in person. We were supposed to be at a, at a conference, uh, <laughs> this past week and it got canceled. And, uh, so yeah, I was, it was, I was very grateful for him to make the introduction. So websites, um, the, the easiest way that you can find us is at pointingdogjournal.com, retrieverjournal.com and justlabsmagazine.com. Now I'll caution you just labs. It's, it's all geared for the family lab. There's no hunting in it. And the, that the only reason that is, is because we have the retriever journal, which is all about the hunting retrievers. So we wanted people to subscribe to both magazines. Um, the, the, the hunter, the family gets retriever journal. The rest of the family gets just labs. Um, just labs, obviously, uh, uh, oddly enough was, was named and started, uh, we, my dad and I started that magazine about two weeks after I started working for the, for the company. And it was based off of the book that he wrote just labs for Willow Creek press that sold, I don't know, half a million copies or something like that. Um, so anyways, my contact information will be on there somewhere. Um, there is a link for if people want to request writer's guidelines. Um, but what would be awesome, too, is also on those websites will be a link where anyone can request a no obligation issue. It's just a form you fill out. Um, you can select one or any of our sporting publications. That's Pointing Dog Journal, Retriever Journal, Just Labs, and American Fly Fishing as well. Um, fill out the form on the drop-down menu. It'll say, like, where did you hear, from, hear about us? And there's a selection called Podcasts. You can do that. It will it will let us know that that uh, uh, that you heard about us through this podcast, and um, and yeah, we'll get an issue out to you. Um, and yep, my my email address should be on there where you can write. I would encourage people to uh, if you do have stories to share, to first ask for the writer's guidelines, and don't just don't just send cold finished manuscripts like uh, I did, and they got denied. A little, a little <laughs> trade secret, yeah, is that a lot of times uh, an editor, when they see a finished manuscript, it's a lot, the, the, the knee-jerk reaction is it's a lot harder to work with a writer on something that they've finished and have probably gotten really attached to. Um, so it's better to work with queries, uh, ideas, things that, you know, I have an idea to write about this and, and include three or four of them. A lot of times, if you're not very familiar with the magazine or you haven't been a subscriber, we may have to reject something simply because we just covered it two issues ago. Um, so we have some recency that we have to look at, but it saves you time. But it also editors like that because it may allow us to suggest perhaps a different angle. Um, like, yeah, we may have covered it from this angle a few issues ago, but if you take this topic and cover it from this angle, now we're getting somewhere. Um, uh, cold unsolicited manuscript is a tough sell it just it really is because it's got to hit all of those points um in order for an, an editor to take the risk especially if it's with someone new and a lot of times working on that back and forth with someone new with something they've already written can be very time consuming and so a query kind of allows the editor to have some input right on the ground floor and maybe steer uh steer someone in the right direction 
That's awesome advice. I appreciate it. I appreciate your time. Um, I hope you have a great spring, summer, and get ready for the antics of the fall with your newer dog. And I hope that Ginny gets another hunting season under her belt with you. Yeah, Um, you know, we've kept her trim. Uh, If I can offer a bit of dog advice, do not let your dogs get overweight. Uh, She she has lived as long as she has uh, because we've kept her uh, very trim her her back end she's not carrying a lot of extra weight she's got one hip dysplasia and one partially torn cruciate that we have been able to treat without any form of surgery uh simply because of the weight um so feed your dogs on the lean side guys so excellent advice thank you so much for your time it was really great to get to know you and uh we'll have to do this again and, and talk more uh maybe even into hunting season and if kevin and i come up to michigan we'll make it happen absolutely absolutely and you guys should really get in touch with uh with my brother chris very well-known wildlife artist i'll send his uh uh his information to you as well um he you know him being able to talk about the wildlife art aspect i think you guys would find fascinating so let's do it thank you well thank you thanks everybody for tuning in great to meet you guys Hey, do me a solid. If you enjoy the show, if you enjoy our Instagram, if we've helped you at all, join patreon.com forward slash Lone Duck Outfitters. If you do it before September of 2023, you're going to enter to win a hunt with me and Kevin and a bunch of other Patreon members down in Missouri. We're going to smack some ducks, have some fun, do a seminar with our dogs and have a great time. But jump into patreon.com forward slash Lone Duck Outfitters. Links in the description and join the community that helps me help you help your dog. Hey everyone, this is Nick from the Gun Dog It Yourself podcast. If you enjoyed this show, then you might want to check out my show as well. We highlight and break down the ins and outs of training your own hunting dog. Whether it's a bird dog or even the occasional hound dog episode, we cover all topics related to hunting dogs. Check out Gun Dog It Yourself on any podcast streaming platform and hit the subscribe button to be sure not to miss any future episodes. Thank you.